So, in recent weeks, we've been working at understanding the personal work of God, the Holy Spirit. So far, we've looked at the person of the Holy Spirit. He's not it or something. He's someone. He's the third person of the Trinity. We've then looked at the Holy Spirit according to Jesus and the foundational things that Jesus told, told us about the Holy Spirit. Another counselor, one who would guide us, lead us, teach us. Be with us because Jesus can't be with us. He's with the Father, ruling and reigning as the man Christ Jesus. Then we looked at receiving the Spirit, being baptized with the Spirit. The Bible uses a different language about that event, but it's an event in which we know we've been filled with the Spirit. And then continuing to, being, to be filled with the Spirit. For when Paul writes the Ephesians, be filled with the Spirit, they already had been. But they needed to be. Just as you don't ever stop eating because you keep getting hungry. Yeah, there is a need. There, you need a supply. We need to, what Paul called the supply of the Spirit. We need to constantly be being filled. And then, to go life in the Spirit. This life of of overcoming sin, this life of, 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 of uh, overcoming circumstances, not by them not affecting us, but by God empowering us to go through them and yet honour his name, Romans 8. So it's time now to turn to what we generally call the gifts of the Spirit or spiritual gifts. And that's a capital S because they are his gifts. The word gift and gifts in our English version covers a number of different words and meanings in the original Greek text. And I've given, there's a list, I didn't put them on the back here, I only did 10 copies. But if you want to be a bit of a Greek scholar, there's a printout of all the scriptures that talk about gifts or gifts and the words that they, are, that they mean, because they are different. The words have even been added in our English version sometimes, as there is in 1 Corinthians, sorry, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts. The word gifts isn't there in the Greek, it's been added on the assumption of translators. Many people take the different lists of gifts in the New Testament and make one pot of the whole lot. These are all spiritual gifts and so on. But that's not what Scripture is telling us. There are different kinds of gifts. And the Holy Spirit, through Scripture, makes those distinctions in Scripture. So let me, first of all, let me give you a bit of Greek today. Trump too much. You know the word Grace. In Greek, that's charis. You know the word charisma. Usually it's talking about some film star that has charisma. They don't have charisma. They just have, you know, a good surgeon. <laughs> the word charisma means a grace gift, a gift of God, from God. A gift from his grace and mercy. Charisma. When that's plural, that's charismata. And when we talk about people who like to use those gifts, they're called charismatics in English, but that's not a Greek word. So, grace gives gifts, which when plural are grace gifts. Grace gifts. Romans 12 has a list of grace gifts, which are gifts of grace from God that are really part of our character. God made us a certain way. It's how we think and operate. It's part of our nature because he's made us that way. Yet it is a gift from God and it's a gift for us to use to bless others. So let's read it. Romans 12 verse 3. For through the grace Caris, given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Kevin was reminding us of that from Philippians earlier. But to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have one, have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, and then this in the italics is added, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy... Prophesy according to the proportion of his faith. If service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, with, 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 with abandon, with generosity, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honour. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving 
the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in trouble, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. There are at least some gifts mentioned there. I'll just pick the ones from the early part of that list. Prophesying, which includes preaching, serving, teaching, exhorting, giving, leading, mercy showing. Those are all active things, something that someone does and people receive that from them, yes, as a benefit. And truthfully, some people may do one one or more of those things regularly. That's how God made you. I can't help thinking like a preacher-teacher, you know, coming up with alliteration, words that begin with C or whatever. You know, it just, I'm wired that way, right? I've always been that way. I love, I love to get in there and study and open all the books and weary myself. Carol comes down from teaching for the day. She says, you look tired. I'm just, I'm, you know, I've been cracking away at books and studies for hours. And it's like, yeah, I've enjoyed it, but I'm, whack, you know, beat myself up doing it, you know, worn myself out. Because study is wearisome. But some of us are wired to do it. Some of you are wired to show mercy. You see a need. You run to meet the need. You almost need to be told, hey, hey, you, you know, you're not the world's answer to everything, mate. You know? <laughs> but you see, you're instinctively wired to, to want to do this or that or that because God's made you that way, all right? That's what that list in Romans 12 is about. Then in Ephesians 4, there's a list of five kinds of leadership that the Lord Jesus gives to his church, and he gives people as his gifts to the church. They don't have the gift of whatever. They are given as a gift to his church. To each one of us, grace, again, is given according to the measure of Christ's gift. That's a different word. When, therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives. He gave gifts to men. Skip down a couple of verses. Oh, too many verses. I've got it wrong. (laughs) Verse 11 is on the screen. Oh, David... And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. Let me translate the word service for you. It's the same word as ministry. Apostles and prophets and pastors and evangelists and teachers are not given so they do the ministry. They are given so that you learn to do the ministry. You learn how to go and serve the Lord in your way, in your sphere, in your situation, in your family, in your workplace. God gives leads to the church to equip you to go and be ministers of Christ. We are so strung up with this idea of ministry. I, just, I get really vexed about it. Clergy and laity. Horrible thing. Horrible idea. I think Jesus hates it. I think it's, it's mentioned in, in the early part of Revelation. One of the things that Jesus hated was the, the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And some scholars say the Nicolaitans were the first people to separate clergy from laity, ministers from the rest. It's a horrid thing. It's a horrid thing. Christ gives leaders as gifts to his church so they empower people to go and serve Christ. Amen. To the building up of the body of Christ. Until we had all attained to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine or every program on some TV channel. By the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love. Notice that? In love. We are to grow up in all aspects, into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, not just the apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers, yes? The proper working of every individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Those gifts there, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, some say pastors and teachers is one role. I'm not that fussed. 
They are gifts that Christ gives to his church so they can produce in his church the character and the life and the service and the ministry of Jesus. People don't come to be ministered to on a Sunday. Yeah, they do in a sense. But you know what I'm saying. They then go and minister to other people, serve other people the rest of the week with the resources that they've been given, with the strength and courage that they've been given through the Holy Spirit to go and do that. That's the teaching of Scripture here. Now, the abilities that those people have, those leaders have, able to teach, to shepherd, to govern, to evangelize, prophesy, to pioneer, to plant, I really kind of found in that Romans 12 list. God's made them that way and given them as the gift. He hasn't given them a gift of whatever. He's given them as the gift. That's the way that the Greek works there. The Lord has made his people so that they fit their calling. If someone says, I'm called to be so-and-so, but nothing in them matches the call, I think you've made a mistake. Those who gifts to lead and influence this church are equipped in themselves with gifts necessary to their particular role. And then they need to be energized and equipped by the Holy Spirit. For we don't do anything in mere humanity in what the Bible calls the flesh. It doesn't produce any value. When such people are recognized by the church as being such a gift, then they should be authorized and appointed to an office and a role to serve and lead in a particular way. All right? That's another set of gifts. Gifts of Christ to the church. People are given to those leadership roles. Now we're coming to 1 Corinthians 12. There's a list there of what most English Bibles headline as gifts of the Spirit or spiritual gifts. And by the way, they are spiritual gifts because they're the Holy Spirit. Nothing to do with your spirit. Him. Spiritual is about the Holy Spirit in Scripture, with one exception where it's demonic spirit. We're going to take a couple of Sunday mornings to work right through 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14. You're so glad I'm not doing all in one go. We'd be here till 2 o'clock. I'll set some things straight I'll challenge some things that have been commonly said I'm going to bring in other scriptures when needed but I want us to hear the scripture the Holy Spirit through scripture the Holy Spirit wants to empower and equip Christians in the 21st century just as he did in the 1st century after Pentecost or at the start of the 20th century in the Pentecostal renewal and I'm, I used to read a lot about that because I was brought up in kind of the the third, fourth generation of people after that Pentecostal renewal. These workings of the Spirit in and through the children of God are just as needful to us today and they are just as available to us today as they were in those years in the first century or the beginning of the 20th century. The work of the Spirit, I believe, passionately continues in this age until the last day closes this age and is followed by the eternal and perfect kingdom of our Lord Jesus. So let me first of all down, put down three principles. We're going to see them as we go through in the next few weeks, but I'm going to say them now because you need to hear them again and again. Three principles that, we, that guide our thinking here. First of all, all God's gifts are gifts of grace. All that we are, all that we receive is by the grace of God. Charis, charisma, charismata, all of grace. It isn't about reward. It's not about status. It's grace. And Paul, when he, even when, he's, when he has to argue, listen, I'm, I'm speaking to you as your father in the faith and your apostle. He says, you know the grace that was given to me. He honors the grace of God that has given him that position and that role. Never fawns himself up, never boasts. He says, you know the grace that was given to me. You know how I was among you, that God gave me the grace to, to, to be like this to you. All God's gifts are gifts of grace. Sorry, all God's gifts are energized by the Holy Spirit. They don't become something that we just do. Oh, I know how to do that. Samson made that mistake. Oh, I know how to do this. Didn't realize the Spirit wasn't with him. But the Spirit had left him. And if we're going to produce any real good, any real value in this life, we need to be equipped and energized by the Holy Spirit. All God's gifts are not for our sake, but to serve others and to glorify Him. They are always outward, they're always for others. It's not for your sake that God gives you something. It's so that you can serve and you can be a blessing. You can give to others. So let's go into 1 Corinthians 12. 
1 Corinthians 12, 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, gifts is what most versions put in there, but actually that's concerning the, gifts of the, concerning the things of the Spirit. The word there means the things of the Spirit, the things that belong to the Spirit. I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, before you were Christians in other words, when you were these miserable people who didn't have a clue, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. I just said there that that scripture there is concerning the things of the Spirit. Paul is starting to explore some things here that are specific works of the Holy Spirit that he gives, even though we then have to do. But he gives it as he repeatedly equips and empowers us at various times. But first of all, Paul takes us back to what the Lord Jesus himself taught us, John 14 through 17. The Holy Spirit will always honour Jesus. Always honour Jesus. Therefore, any spirit, smallness, word, preaching, prophesying, whatever, or gift that dishonours or diminishes Jesus is false. ABC litmus test. Does this honour Jesus? No, not touching it. Not going there. Remember how John coined the word antichrist in his letters? It's not referring to some coming political figure. It's ta- he talks about false teachers and false teaching that take people away from Christ. Let me just read those to you. Uh, I'm going to give you, without the references, that are in the notes. Even now, many antichrists have appeared. Again, who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the antichrist, which you have heard that it is coming, and now is already in the world. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the Antichrist. John is not pointing to some future political figure. He's saying this is at work right now, in his day. False teaching that takes people away from Jesus. The Holy Spirit will always honour Jesus as true man, true God in one person. He will always honour Jesus as Lord, as King, as Sovereign, as Ruler. No true word or gift from the Holy Spirit will ever diminish or dishonour the Lord Jesus. Secondly, any spirit, word or gift that resists or denies Scripture is false. Why? Because Scripture is the word of the Spirit. He breathed it into existence. This, my friends, is the God-breathed word of God. The Holy Spirit breathed this through man to become scripture. So he will not deny this because he makes himself a liar. So when anybody says, yeah, I know it's not in the Bible, but... I I got a revelation. I was standing in my mirror and Jesus stood there and told me, I know it's not in the Bible, but... Sorry, I mustn't get too naughty about that. (laughs) Jesus stated that the Spirit always speaks and acts in accordance with the truth. The Scriptures are His Word. So next Paul tells us there are a variety of gifts, but the same Holy Spirit is at work. Now there are varieties of gifts, the word there is charismata, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries, diakonion, we get the word deacon from that. One who serves. One who serves. There are varieties of service, is another way of translating that. But we do so love the word ministry. Yes. And I'll keep shooting it. <laughs> there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, workings. You see the word energy there, energimaton? Workings. There are varieties of workings. Workings of power, workings of authority, workings of God through people. But the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit, what the Spirit is doing at that time. His presence is shown by what he's doing at that time. That is being given so you you get some credit. You get to be somebody. 
No, it's given for the, please underline it, for the common good, for the sake of other people. For the body, or for needy people in the world. There are four gifts, four words there. Gifts, what the Holy Spirit gives to us at different times. Service, ministries, how we serve as Jesus served. Workings of power and authorities, God works them in and through us. Manifestations, when the Spirit of God is revealed, His presence is shown by what He does. Let me say again here, there's a difference between manifestations of the Spirit and our reactions to the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon me, I might shake, I might, I might, I might lose strength, I might fall on the ground. That is not the Holy Spirit giving me the shakes. I'm reacting to his glorious holy presence. Because he's big and I'm very small. You understand? Yeah. But when the Holy Spirit gives me something which is a blessing to other people, there's a gift that's being communicated, that's a manifestation of the Spirit, not just my reaction to it. I'm not against reactions. Do you understand? I'm not against them at all. But we need, to show, we need to make a difference between that which blesses and has significance and something which is simply you and I handling the fact that we're, we're, we're in awe of this holy presence of God that's come upon us. Yeah? Got it? Yeah. Right, move on. Sorry. Let me summarize this in this verse from the NLT. God is works in different ways, but it is the same God who does his work in all of us. And by the way, in those verses, we just if you were looking carefully, you'd see in the Trinity. The same Spirit, the same God, the same Lord, and then the same Spirit again. Spirit, God, Lord, Lord Jesus, the Trinity in those verses. God is at work in all of us, but in different ways. And the gifts of equipping of God are given not to make some person great, but for the common good. A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping the entire church. But actually, I think that this spills over beyond church, as we'll look at in quite a few weeks' time when we look at witness by the Spirit. Now Paul gives us a list of some of the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives from time to time to different people. For to one is given the word of wisdom, through the Spirit, to another the or a word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing, actually literally that's gifts of healings, double plural, by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles or working of power, to another prophecy, to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. Let's work through those in order. A word of wisdom. The Holy Spirit does not make anyone all wise. Only God is that. But he will at times give us a thought, a sentence, a word that brings something of God's wisdom to a person, to a church, to a situation. It's a word. Even when someone often receives such words of wisdom, they may not be wise in their personal lives. I'll give you an example. Solomon. Solomon was given amazing wisdom to rule, to judge, to, 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 as, as king. But in his personal life, he acted foolishly, which he acknowledges in Ecclesiastes. He behaved himself as a fool. A word of wisdom. You just feel, this is what I need to say to, to be helpful here. Or this is what we need to do in the situation. Because you're open to the Holy Spirit, then he gives you a thought. And it's just a, it's just a thought, it's just a word. But it, it can unlock the situation. It can bring God's help. A word of knowledge. The Holy Spirit does not make anyone all-knowing. Only God is that. But he will at times give us a thought, a sentence, a word that brings something from God's perfect knowledge to help a person, a church, or a situation. Let me give you an example of that. Jesus himself, woman of Samaria. Jesus knew about her marital situation. And very wisely, he says, bring your husband. Yeah? Now, I would say very often, when, even when you've got a word of knowledge, you need to be wise about how you use it. How you employ it. And Jesus very often asks people questions you didn't need the answers to. But it triggered something in them. 
It was a part of his gracious way of dealing with them. He knew what he was asking. Do you understand? Before he asked the question? Yeah. And yet he still asked the question. That, that's wisdom in handling revelation for the person's good. Not saying, ah, see, I know about you. Ah. The Lord just told me about you, mate. That's not very gracious, is it? A gift of faith, not saving faith, not enduring faith, not trusting Jesus in life. This is extraordinary faith for extraordinary circumstances. Chinonto is in Nigeria getting married next Saturday. She flew out on Friday to Nigeria. And I've got some books that her dad gave me. Uh, William, I think his name is. Um, I'm on tape saying it, but I think his name is William. And, and uh, he gave me a whole bunch of his books. And I've been enjoying reading through them. And he gives an instance, which I'll give you his example, all right? He's driving in Africa, Nigeria, with a bunch of people in a the car. They've been out doing a mission somewhere or other. They're coming back. They run out of petrol. And they're miles from anywhere. Run out of petrol. You can start having an argument about who didn't fill the thing up, you know. But <laughs> out of petrol. So William is, this is Chinonso's dad, right? Right? Honestly, saying there thing, oh, what do we do, what do we do, what do we do? He's praying. The Lord says, fill the tank with water. He says, that's crazy. He said, fill the tank. He said, okay, all right, all right. So he says, I just feel, I, listen, I've been praying, fellas, I just feel we've got to fill the tank with water. I know, I know, don't tell me about it, I know, I know. So they fill the tank with water. They get in the car, they go, okay. <clears throat> they drive like <laughs> home. William himself, John and dad says, if I tried to do that any other time, I'd be stupid. Because it would be presumptuous. It was extraordinary faith for an extraordinary circumstance. And the faith needed to be put into obedience too. It wasn't just saying you had to put it into action to see God do something extraordinary. You can't presume on such faith. And if God's given you something at a particular time that brought you through an extraordinary circumstance and he, he ha- did something in an extraordinary way, it was extraordinary. Some of the events in the book of Acts are extraordinary. Handkerchiefs being taken from someone's body. To, that's extraordinary. You don't, you don't try and do it again. That's presumption. And one of the, I read an old Pentecostal scholar called Donald G. the other night. And he said, one of the problems is the Pentecostal church tries to make routine what God himself says was extraordinary. Gift of faith. When it doesn't make sense, but you just, I just, I just feel we've got to trust God and do this this way. I've got to put my neck on the line and say we're going to do this, and we do it. And we just, you know, God's got to back us up, otherwise we're, you know. But gift of faith, gift of faith. Um, gifts of healings, double plural. Every healing is a gift of grace from God. So a series or pattern of healings are gifts of healings. I know that's not doesn't make good, good English grammar, but it does make good Greek grammar. Listen to me. No one has the gift of healing or a healing gift. The scripture does not teach that. And I challenge anyone who says, well, I've got the gift of healing. Go in the hospital and save them some suffering and us some taxes then. If you can do it, go and do it. No, these are gifts from the Holy Spirit again and again. But that is why we pray for people to be healed. Because we're looking for God to deposit in us something of faith and response and obedience. He says, listen, I need to lay hands on the person and pray for them because I believe God wants to heal them. There's a sense of, 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 of like urgency. You know, God, I, I believe God's going to do something. It's a gift of healing, which you don't have because you can't t- turn it on and off. It's given to be given. Yes. yes, like prophecy. It's given to be given. And then there's workings of power. It says workings of miracles. Miracles is a word that has to be think, has thinking of all kinds of weird stuff. Just bigger picture than that. These are words of power. When God's authority, God's power makes things happen. It's, it's about his kingdom. It's about this, this. Only God could do that. Now, that, of course, that includes healings, but it includes miracles. People are being brought alive out of extraordinary circumstances or whatever because people are praying for them. Workings of power. 
Whenever the Holy Spirit moves someone to speak and act under the authority of God so that something happens by his power, not theirs, that is an operation of power or authority. And again, if you've got that all the time, there's a whole list of things I'm going to tell you to go and do. But we don't have it all the time. It's given by the Spirit again and again and again. Some say this only refers to delivering people from the demonic. Well, I acknowledge it must include it. Because that is an exercise of authority. You speak with the authority of the name of Jesus, go, and the thing goes. Or if it doesn't, you, you, you've missed something somewhere. You're not really sensing that you are receiving the power of God, the authority of God at the time. You just kind of go through the motions. I've been there, I've done that. If it is God's power, God's word, it happens for his glory, for the extension of his kingdom, for the building up of his people. But if we're expressing merely human words, our wishes, and acting presumptuously, then it comes to nothing. And we have to admit we've been there and we've done it. There's a famous uh, guy called Tony Evans, a great sermon which I've got on a CD. His word in your mouth. And he says the problem is when we put our words in his mouth. Because we dearly wish for something to happen and we think if we prophesy we can make it happen. It has to be his words and his authority. Then there's prophesying. Prophesying and prophecy is not as clearly defined in Scripture as you might think. What we call preaching can be, even should be, prophesying. It means simply declaring the words of God. This is the way that the Old Testament prophets operated. The Lord said to them, whatever I say to you, you say. Whatever you hear from me, you speak. That is prophesying. And that is preaching at its best too because the preacher heard God say and he collected it and he wrote it down and he sorted it out and then he comes and delivers what he believes God has said. Yes? Yes? Prophesy. Now, people who speak, teach, you know, people who are prophets who kind of come to bring words to a church will do that for some time. You know, half an hour, an hour. They will declare God's word. The rest of us can do it in words. Like we get a word of knowledge, we get a word of prophecy. And we can bring our word of prophecy. And do not imagine that because God's given you a word, you've got to take 15 minutes to say it. You don't have to take 15 minutes to say it. If it's a sentence, say the sentence. It's a word. But God can do incredibly powerful things through just a sentence. In fact, thank God for Twitter in this respect, it's made some of us think about how we say things shorter. Yeah? How do we define it down to a simple sentence? God, God changes lives through simple sentences. Simple words. Those that are called to preach and teach. Anyway, speaking what we believe to be words from God for the common good, that is prophesying. Speaking to somebody what we believe God wants them to hear at that moment in time is prophesying. There's more in 1 Corinthians 14, includes some very practical matters. But today, again, let me get, put down some markers about prophecy. All right? Prophecy must always build up the body of Christ. Yeah. Some people want to put us in the naughty corner all the time. You know, they've, they've always got, got, got some kind of God's, God's got an issue with you about this. And now, I'm not saying God never corrects us. He does. But if that's the only mode... I've got a problem. The scripture says, we're going to get to it in 1 Corinthians 14, we prophesy for the building up, the building up, the lifting up, the elevating of the body of Christ. Prophecy must honour the Lord Jesus. These just headlines for you. We're not adding to or replacing scripture. That's a good prophecy. Let me write in the back of my Bible. It's an extra bit of, no, 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 no. We're not adding to or replacing scripture. We mustn't deny us to plant scripture. Do you know that the whole rapture thing came out of someone's prophetic dream, supposedly, in the 1800s? That thought that Jesus was coming secretly and you know, people would vanish away hadn't been thought of in 2,000 years of church history until someone had a, quote, prophetic dream in the early 1800s. I've got you all upset now, haven't I? Now, do you interpret scripture by a prophetic dream or do you interpret a prophetic dream by scripture? We mustn't deny, supplant, add to or replace scripture. All prophecy, all prophesying must be tested, weighed. You've got to take the measure of it. 
you've got to do this with it. In fact, let me, let me illustrate this. Does it stay after you've done that? Is there any weight in it, or is it just for the moment? I've seen somebody stand at the front of a church building with a, a flower in his hand and picking petals off. He loves you, he loves you not, he loves you. Oh, no, no, I've got it wrong. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. And I'm thinking, that's the best you've got. <laughs> it's like, I, I seriously, I'm thinking, that's the best thing you could do in this church? Oh, dear. See, if you wait, how heavy was that one? So should the leader of the meeting picked up on it and applied it? No, just let it go. Just kindest thing is to let it go. Hey, I do a lot of that in life. Because people mean well when they say stuff to me. But unless I'm impressed by it, there's some weight in it, I say thank you very much, God bless you. And a lot of time, truthfully, frankly, I just let it go. Even if it was negative, just let it go. But we're to test and weigh all things, Scripture says, and hold fast what is good. If you believe God's really spoken that, get a hold of it and do something about it. And don't think the prophecy's own conditions can happen anyway. It isn't. The outcome of prophecy depends upon our obedience and action. You may have a prophecy, a promise in that sense about something. If you don't deal with it, if you don't get a hold of it, if you don't make things happen around that, You'll still be quoting it to me 40 years' time. Well, why years ago I had this word of prophecy, you know? It's a bit late now, isn't it? Personal prophecies need to be carefully tested. I've got this little word for you as an individual, you know. Don't, don't people look around to see if anybody's even hearing them. You know, it's like, hmm. Be careful. Be very discerning about personal prophecies. People run around the countryside going to the next prophetic meeting, the next prophetic meeting, because they're waiting for the word. Do you know what? They're waiting for the word that they want. The one they've heard they don't want. But they want that one. And eventually somebody who's you know, able to discern people and read them out and figure them out, they kind of get a sense of where this person's at. They tell them what they want to hear. I got a word from the prophet. Yeah, you rejected the one from your elders and your pastor for the last five years. I'm being pretty rough, rough up today, aren't I? Absolutely. Amen. And predictive prophesying is rarely right. You predict the future, I hope you're around to be proved right or wrong. You are rarely right when you start to predict the future. And especially when you want to say Jesus is coming next year. Oh, come on. (laughs) Grow up! (laughs) How many people have been wrong? You just want to add your name to the list? Go ahead! Go ahead! (laughs) Do I want to stop you being stupid? Go ahead! (laughs) Predictive prophesying is really right. Now, there is this. that Sometimes the Holy Spirit will tell us about something which is not definitely, definitely going to happen. But he gives us a warning about something which we then need to do something about. I'll give an example. A lady had a dream that her husband was going to get ill and was going to be struck down so that he was near to death. All right? She came to me to talk about it. I was in charge. The other senior pastor was away at the time. So and so my husband's going to die because I've had this dream. I went, what, 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 what? So I was a bit kind of overwhelmed by this thing, and I just said, I'll talk to you again about that. I went away and prayed about it, thought about it, thought about these principles, how prophecy really works. Then I went back and said, okay, you had this dream. What are we going to do about it? What do you mean? What? The Lord showed me. No, no, no. The Lord warned you. The Lord warned you. What are we going to do about it? What do you mean? I said, it's a warning. You can avert things that are warnings by doing the right things that God wants you to do. So, come on, let's pray for your husband, shall we? So, we, so she finally kind of agreed with me, to, you know, because I kind of overwhelmed her, that we should pray for him. Now he got sick. And she was like wavering. I said, no, 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 no. We were told about this. We've got to pray for him. 
He went for an operation. They fixed something in his neck that was a nervous thing. He's alive today. He's, he's healthy. He's, he's, he's getting into his old age. Prophetic warnings or even prophetic promises have to be handled and dealt. It is not unconditional. It's not fate. We live by faith, not by fate. So don't get into this soothsaying thing, all right? Warnings, promises, fine, but how we respond to them is what matters. We've got to pursue a faith in God to press through difficulties to overcome, to inherit these promises even. I've got to move on. We're running out of time. Distinguishing spirits. Discerning whether it's the spirit of God or an evil spirit or just that silly person who's doing something at a particular time and place, okay? Let me give you an example. So I went to a conference in the 1990s with a guy called John Wimber who led the, uh, the uh, um, oh, Vineyard Group of Fellowships. They're still around to this day, Vineyard Group of Fellowships. John Wimber was a noted man of the Spirit. And he did what he always did. He stood there, talked very simply for a few minutes, and then he just raised his hands and invited, prayed. He invited the Holy Spirit to come. And then he just stood and waited and... Obviously, he was praying, and, and then things began to happen around the building. And then, i never forget this. John Wimber said, uh, that person there, that's just God on them, leave them alone. If you want to pray, f- support for them, fine, but don't worry, that's God at work in them. You over there, stop that, you're being silly. <laughs> that person, that's a demon. You need to take them out and pray for their deliverance, which some of you, well done, guys, you take them out and pray for their deliverance. He called it, one two, three, again and again. And I went, wow! That's the distinguishing of spirits. Hallelujah. And I thank God for the authority that he, that he employed in just, just being that simple, that down to earth. You know? For myself, I've often been made aware of the presence of an evil spirit because I, even before I've seen something, I, there's a, this run or fight kind of thing in me. It's like I've just landed in a battlefield. I said, I'm thinking, where's the battle? Why am I? Why am I? Yeah, because there's a demonic thing about to happen, or someone's come into the situation who's demonized them. And, and again and again in life, somebody completely unknown to me, maybe even in the street, this has happened a number of times. Complete stranger. And I just glance and then I'd look again, and this person's whipped their head around. The, the, the face that's looking at me is far from nice. There's, there's evil, there's malevolence there. And I realize I've encountered somebody who's demonized and they've recognized that I'm a spiritual Christian. Just a spiritual Christian. Do you understand that? I'm not saying the minister. Just a spiritual Christian. They've recognized there's a Christian here. Yeah? And the demon's wanting to kind of put a bit of a scare on. So I'm thinking, you behave yourself or I'll come over there. By the way, not many years ago, someone came to a meeting here, sat in the third row there, and somebody brought a friend. Maybe it was a Christmas deal. I can't remember when it was. But I saw them and I went, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'll tell you what I did. I went over quietly. I said, hello. And I leant down really close by the ear. And I said, I know who's here. And if you start and think, I will deal with you. In the name of Jesus. They were quite as a mess. Quite as a mess. But I knew there was a demon that had come to cause trouble with that person. They were demonized. They, they had a demon with them. Right? That's the way the Bible talks about it. Am I trying to scare you? I'm just saying this is reality. This is, this is reality. And as we pursue the things of the Spirit, we begin to encounter the works of the devil in spiritual quotes ways as well because as I said in the Bible one exception to the spiritual meaning of the spirit is when it talks about evil spirits they are spiritual forces who need to be dealt with distinguishing spirits do you think that could be useful I think so (laughs) the thing is when you know what the devil's doing or the demon is doing you need to have some faith and grace and draw on the power of God to deal with it yeah Speaking in tongues. 
Speaking in unlearned languages. There's a lot in 1 Corinthians 14 about this. But let me remind you just here that in Acts, it's the most often mentioned outcome of people being filled with the Holy Spirit that they spoke in tongues or they prophesied. It's to speak in a language that is unknown to the speaker. And in this list of the things of the Spirit, Paul is not referring to speaking in tongues in a personal, private way for prayer and praise to God. He's talking about things we do for the common good, for the help and benefit of others. This is speaking out in tongues in a corporate setting when it's being done for the common good. Now, that being the case, if you're going to speak out in a language that no one knows in that meeting, all right, guess what you need? Next gift, interpreting tongues. Someone needs to give the sense of what you've just said. By the way, when we get into 1 Corinthians 14, I'll say a bit now. Tongues are Godward. They are prayer and praise to God. Tongues, there's not a prophecy being given in a language you don't understand. The interpretation shouldn't be trying to be a prophecy. Prophecy is prophecy. Tongues are Godward. They are prayer and praise to God. Having said that, I've been in meetings where someone has spoken out in tongues, you know, or even sung a song. And the interpretation of that Godward prayer or praise has had me on my knees in tears. It's been so powerful. But it is Godward, not manward. Get there in 1 Corinthians 14. If someone speaks out in a meeting in a language unknown to them and to all who hear at that time, it would be unprofitable. This further gift is given by the Holy Spirit so that someone may give the sense of what's been spoken out in a gathering of believers. More on this in 1 Corinthians 14, but I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what I'll tell you in a few weeks' time. I've been in meetings where someone stood up and spoke and added in a language that they didn't know, but I've recognized that it was a Greek, that it was not Greek, it was a French dialect. It wasn't schoolboy French, it was a kind of country kind of French. And again, because I learned German at school, I've heard someone speak in a German dialect, and I've understood some of the words. I thought, this is interesting. And then someone interprets, and the sense they give of what's been given, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty right, yeah. Wow. Now, as a young lad of whatever I was before I really became a Christian at 18, do you think that made an impression on me? You bet it did. Science. Science. God's real. You see it. Other people go into a meeting, stories from New Frontiers gatherings, whatever else I've, I've been to. Guy comes in. He's a Chinese Christian. Right, but he's just, just he's wondering about this kind of gifts of the Spirit and whatever else, and he's come along to find out. Someone stands up and starts to speak out loud in language. Guess what it is? Mandarin Chinese. Wow. <laughs> the guy's, what? <laughs> Signs. Signs. These nine gifts can be put together in three groups. Classically, we do this. Three of them are about revelation, things that the Lord shows us, tells us, which we then need to communicate as appropriate. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, discerning of the spirits. You hear it, you see it, you, you know it, revelation. You can't know it unless he showed you, but now you know it because he showed you. Then there are gifts which are to do with power, with authority. Extraordinary faith for extraordinary circumstances. Healing. Power, including deliverance. Maybe including that would be things like, like, like feeding 5,000 people. It's a work of power, which is from a gift of faith. Well, these things tend to work together. They're not isolated. They come as a little clump sometimes. And then there's gifts of speech. Prophesying, speaking in tongues, interpreting of tongues. How the Holy Spirit helps and equips us at some particular time may often be a mixture of those or a bunch of those things together. Word of knowledge or wisdom has to become communicated, which is that prophesying? Yes, of course it is. It's the kind of prophesying. The discernment of demonic activity should probably lead to deliverance or at least to taking authority over the thing so it doesn't do something it came to do. Yeah? Notice carefully what the scripture says next, and this is our last verse for today. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Now, many people miss that verse. And they say, well, I've got the gift of this and the gift of that and the gift of that. And they say, well, do it then. 
Because what the scriptures here says, the Holy Spirit gives these things again and again and again, every, every, every time they're coming from him. He gives them individually, as he wills, distributes them. This one, that one, this one, that one. Let me tell you now, be honest with you, I have known every one of those gifts of the Spirit helping me to help others at some time or another in my life. And I don't think I'm extraordinary there. I think if God gives you a role of leadership and responsibility and you're saying, Lord, please help me here, what on earth do I say? What do I do? And whatever he gives you, you do because you're like desperate. But on the other hand, on my first trip to Ukraine, with some, two other guys from the UK, went into the home of a young pastor in Ukraine. And within 15 minutes of sitting there, he's telling us that he's got every gift that the Bible talks about. He's an apostle and he's a prophet and he's, an, and he's got all of these gifts. And I'm thinking, what I, most, I wasn't the senior person in the room. What I most wanted to do was say, have a nice day, I'm out of here. <laughs> I knew we were not going to get on with that guy and do any good for him. Because yeah? he'd got it completely wrong. He thought all of this was about making him somebody great. So he thought if he could claim them all, that it made him somebody great. I have missed it and blown it and not been obedient so many times. Even when the Holy Spirit's given me something. You understand? The Holy Spirit works all these things. Not us. They do not come from us. They're given to us time after time. We don't make them happen. We only receive and deliver them. The Spirit gives them individually, one by one, time after time, according to His will. That's very clear with a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or a gift of healing. You can't make them happen. Unless He does it, you're, you, you know, you're floundering. The Spirit gives that gift at that time. You don't have that gift in you. He gives it when it's needed. You get the gift in order to give the gift. Yeah. It's got to be delivered somewhere. It's got to be handed over in some way. Yeah. By the way, when it comes to healing, aren't we really good at saying, Lord, would you just go and touch that person and just go and do that and do that and do that? Isn't that the way we pray? Guess what the Lord said? They shall go and lay hands on the sick. When you're praying for someone's healing... I honestly believe this. Sometimes the Lord says, okay, who's, going to, who's willing to get up from the prayer meeting and go to the house or to the hospital and lay hands on them and pray? And I remember a famous incident of one guy, an apostolic leader of a team, and a young child in the church was desperately sick. He got his elders and locked them in a room together with him, and he said, we're not leaving this room until someone's got faith that this child be healed. And eventually as they prayed, you know, somebody said, I, I, think, I think two of us should go now and lay hands on him. Okay, all right, sure? You, really, you believe that God's saying to Okay, so they prayed over them like, like you know, like Navy SEALs, you know. And kicked them out the door. And then he locked the door and said, we're not leaving until they come back. <laughs> that was earnestly seeking something, wasn't it? Which we'll get to in further down this chapter. You get the gift in order to give the gift. The child was restored to health on that occasion. Let me say that another way. We do not have this or that gift all the time. But every time something is necessary and needed, we can ask the Holy Spirit to give something we can pass on for the good of others. That's how Scripture teaches this. The Holy Spirit can give any one of these gifts or any combination of these to anyone as he wills. But he, when he does it, he doesn't do it for your sake. He does it for their sake. For the common good and the honor of the Lord. Now, I didn't want to weary you, so I cut this to six uh, pages. It was eight I've saved something next week to do the body of Christ and 1 Corinthians 13, love, next week. I know some of you may be hearing these things for the first time or perhaps hearing them very differently from how you've heard them in the past. But let me just summarize the day like this. The gifts, the operations, the workings of the Holy Spirit are not ornaments to decorate our meetings. They're tools for the grace of God to be at work. They are not given to promote us, to give us status, but to serve the body of Christ. Yeah. And I'd even add, when we look at witness, mm. to serve a lost world too. Because yeah. Jesus took these things out in the street. Yes. The kingdom of God. And they're not given to entertain the church, right. but to equip us yeah. 
They're given to renew the church and to reach the world. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray together, shall we? Some of you, your response to this will be like mine. Hey, I, I used to do that a bit more often than I never seem to do nowadays. I'll be honest with you. This time for the first time in a long time, literally as I was driving the car, I glanced to my right, and a woman who was walking along whipped her head around and stared at me, and I saw a demonic presence. I said, oh, that's interesting. What am I going to do? Nothing. I'm driving the car. I'm just, it's gone in a moment. But It's like I was aware again of this battlefield that is all around, and I'm most of the time unaware of it. But there are times when the Lord wants, I'm talking to myself, wants me to be aware. Wants me to know. So I'm ready, to, I'm, ready to, I'm ready for action. I'm ready to help. I'm ready to bring, hopefully, deliverance to somebody somewhere. But you need to know what you're dealing with. It's like the Lord just switched on that. For a moment, made me aware again. of something that I used to be aware of more often. I'm using my example to say to you, there could well be things in which you used to be more often the recipient of a gift to be given. A word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, a word of prophecy. Praying for people to be healed and seeing the Lord graciously doing that. Here's what Paul says to Timothy, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. Now the gift isn't waiting for you to, but you need to be stirred up so you're open, ready, asking, willing. We sang songs of dedication and commitment earlier today. Are you ready for an adventure of trusting the Holy Spirit? To give you resources beyond yourself? For him to give gifts to you that you can then use to bring help Blessing, healing, comfort, strength, encouragement to people around you. And I still have this suspicion that we need to learn these things so thoroughly in the body of Christ that it becomes second nature to go and do them elsewhere as well. To pray for people who are sick in the workplace, to bring a word of prophecy to somebody on a bus. I know people who do that stuff because they've just learned that the Holy Spirit is more than willing to equip the saints for the works of service everywhere, wherever they are, wherever they are, whatever they're doing. He has tools for us to be agents of grace, to bring healing, to bring health, to bring help. So, Father, we submit ourselves on your hand now and pray that through your great grace, which is empowering grace, we might learn how to cooperate with, to listen to, to obey the Holy Spirit, who moves like a wind and does what he wants to. Then too, Lord, there are moments when we know we need something beyond ourselves. We need something from heaven. Give us increasing confidence to call urgently to you in that moment and trust you to give us something that is from your own hands, from your own heart that brings the help that that person or that that group of people need. I pray that we might learn to be people who carry a readiness and a willingness to serve you, to serve your kingdom in every circumstance of our lives. We don't have the resources. This is beyond us. We don't have all the wisdom, we don't have all the knowledge, but you can give us that little bit that's necessary so something gets helped again and again and again. So we submit ourselves to you and we confess that we depend upon you. And forgive us, Lord, if we've become boastful about what you used to do with us when we're no longer even doing it. We pray that the church of Jesus Christ in these 
last decades perhaps before Jesus returns, may become more empowered and more equipped by the Holy Spirit than we have ever seen in all of church history, including Acts, the book of Acts. Let there be such an extraordinary outpouring of the Spirit upon all flesh, all Christians, that your church becomes a glorious, noble, awesome thing, terrible like an army with banners. A power to be reckoned with because God lives in them and is at work through them. That Jesus might be honoured, we pray. Amen. Amen.